0: Opinions expressed on ACB media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials or its staff. This is Cecily Nipper and welcome to the Ins and Outs of Coffee Part 2. Thank you all for joining me tonight to dive into coffee beans, where they came from, how they got here, discussing roasting, grinding, And how all this influences the final product. I will uh, also speak to those who are listening on ACB Media. Welcome to you as well. You do have to be present in the Zoom room in order to be entered in the drawing. Every time you attend, your name will go in the hat. And at the end, you will receive a gift card to order some coffee and have it shipped to you from a very special place that I will tell you about that last week when we do the drawing. This is a six-week session. This is week two. There may be a week seven with a special guest. I'm still not sure about that. So stay tuned for the special guest. But first, I wanted to address a question that was brought up last session. And I looked into the answer and found the best answer I could. So there may be some other possible origin stories for coffee, but this is the coffee origin story that I found in 300 AD. A goat herder named Kaldi yes. discovered a coffee forest in ancient Ethiopia. And he was the first one um, in the, the Kaffa region of Ethiopia. And it was at that time uh, populated by the uh, the Arab nation that practiced Islam. They mixed it into a drink, discovered coffee, and uh, found it to be an excellent substitute for alcohol, as alcohol was prohibited by their religion. So they, they substituted it in, they began drinking it, and it wasn't until around 1500 that it began to be shipped to other areas. It was very much in-house in that. Ethiopian area for the first, let's see, from three hundred to fifteen hundred. So for about twelve hundred years, it was a closely guarded secret. But then it became popular. So that's the origin story of coffee that I found. Um, hooray for that goat herder! Right for discovering that fruit and deciding to to brew it. And I'm not clear on whether that original brew was roasted. If it was not, if they just ground up the green coffee beans without drying them or roasting them, I imagine that would have been really bitter. But that's, uh, you know, everyone has to start somewhere. I mean, the origin story of chocolate in the, in the Mayan Incan tradition is much the same, that when it started, it was not as delicious as what we have today, of course, because we've had years to work on it. Decades, hundreds of years. We talked some last week about where the beans come from, what I wanna do is highlight a little bit about the process of how they get here. So after the coffee cherries are harvested, there are two ways that they can be initially processed. And the cheapest, most natural way, if it's a coffee from a dry climate, a mountainous region, or a tropical region that's not too moist, you know, it can depend, has to be kind of a dry climate. So depending on that would be dry processed, whereby they just lay them out in the sun, let them go from plump cherries to more like a raisin consistency, and then from there, roast them, grind them, ship them. The less common process, but the process that's used in most of the small batch coffees is wet processed, uh, whereby they're tumbled in a tumbler to remove all the chaff off of the outside of the coffee cherry, Um, rinse it good, expose the cherry and then put out in the sun to dry. It shrinks down the dry time um, because the, the the outer shell has been removed and it's just the bare coffee cherry drying out. So it dries out faster. And with wet processed, you get a more, it's fresher from the time of harvesting. It hasn't sat and dried naturally. So although drying naturally is cheaper and most commonly done, wet processed is more so done in your single origin or your small batch coffees that you might buy at uh, an individual coffee shop or from a specialty grocery like Trader Joe's or Whole Foods. I have not found any way to track down. You, know, you, you can't, I can't have someone read the package. It doesn't say wet processed or dry processed. Some of this, you just have to either do a lot of research beyond what I've been able to do, or just extrapolate from the fact of the price will be higher with wet processed. There'll be a more specialty blend than what you get. One more thing on that. And then um, I want to hear. So everyone always asks me about Death Wish brand coffee. No, I've never tried it. If anyone has tried it, you can be raising your hand. We'll hear from you about your experience with it. I would love to hear. I looked into what's different about it. And I, I found, I think, an answer that may begin to address the differences. So there are two major types of coffee beans in the world and I'm talking broad categories like how there's mammals and you know amphibians and no broad categories not like dog cat cat, because there's lots of varieties you know of of beans but there's only two main plants that grow and thrive and one is arabica which is 80 to 90 percent of the coffee we get here in the states The other one that represents the other 10 to 20% is called Robusta, uh, spelled like robust with an A on the end. And I found that Death Wish actually includes a percentage of Robusta, which is very rare for the States. The caffeine quantity, Robusta is, is just like it sounds, the word robust, meaning hardy, strong, able to withstand. The reason it's not highly marketed in the States, especially though, is that that higher caffeine content, no matter how much you roast it to bring that caffeine down and, and mellow it out, which is why Robusta will almost always be roasted all the way to Italian roast to the darkest roast, but it's still bitter. That, that bitterness has not come out of it. So what you end up with is an incredibly high, caffeine content, which is, I believe what Death Wish is going for. And what, um, what you end up with with that is around 300 milligrams of caffeine for a small cup of coffee. So there's uh, 400 milligrams of caffeine recommended in a day by the Food and Drug Administration. And so if you if you get 300 in a six-ounce cup, how many of us are just going to drink six ounces of coffee, right? So my cup I'm drinking out of now, I believe, is 16 ounces. Uh, so Death Wish has an incredibly high caffeine content. You'll, you'll come up with lots of different um, caffeine lists and charts. The one that I use for this is the Center for science and public interest. And in the interest of not being boring, I will, um, give you an example or two that here we go. This is based on 16 ounces. Okay. So if, if six ounces of death wish, which is not listed on this list, I had to look it up separately. If six ounces of death Wish is 300, then for 16 ounces, you're looking at about 800 milligrams of caffeine. So about twice your daily limit there. Um, a 16-ounce regular Dunkin' Donuts coffee is 270. Uh, Starbucks dark roast, 16 ounce about the same, 260. And if you get into, let's see. Um, a frappuccino has very little because there's little to no coffee in it. Um, Folgers goes down 100 milligrams to around 160, half-calf at 60, decaf at around five to eight. That's one thing a lot of people don't realize is that there is some caffeine in decaf coffee. It's just very little. Uh, a lot of teas are in the 90 to 100 range. And then, um, for example, Diet Coke is 40 to 50 milligrams of caffeine so start start with coke go up to tea go up to coffee and then the extra caffeine coffees like death Wish your way at the top does anybody have a decaf coffee they have tried and either liked or disliked that they would like to share and feel free to raise your hand and bessie i don't know if you feel that this crew knows the ropes on raising hands but you can go through it if you'd like
1: Okay, I will, just in case anybody does not know what to do. If you are on a PC and you would like to raise your hand, you will use Alt-Y. And if you would like to mute or unmute, you will use Alt-A. If you are on a Mac computer, you will use Option-Y to raise your hand, and you will use Command-Shift-A to mute and unmute. If you are on your smartphone you will use the option under the more tab which is in the lower right hand corner of your screen and you will go under there and find raised hand and if you are wanting to mute and unmute the mute and unmute button is in the lower left hand corner of your screen. If you are on a standard push button phone You will use star nine to raise your hand, which is the same as Y and star six, which is the same as M for mute and unmute. So with that, we do have Peggy who has her hand raised. Go ahead, Peggy, you can unmute. Okay. So yes,
2: I did go through a period where I drank decaf. I was feeling um, really jittery and having a lot of headaches, and thought it was coming from the fact that I was drinking coffee all day at work. But I found out that it it wasn't the coffee that was creating the problem. When I got rid of the other the, of the problem, the actual problem, I went back to regular coffee. But I drank uh, Folgers decaf, and I found it to be very tasty. It was it was pretty
0: good. But really. If you get a quality one, there's not a lot of difference. I guess my favorite decaf would be the Starbucks decaf dark roast to get the whole bean and then grind it in a coarse grind. Yeah, huh. uh, that's that's what I did. But that's the fancy. That's the fancy one. Yeah. Well,
2: back then I wasn't doing a lot of Starbucks. We just had coffee in our office, and so you know it was Folgers or Folgers decaf that we had, and so I kind of kind of went with that, but once I figured out that I could have the caffeine, I was back to
1: my regular coffee. <laughs> Absolutely. Bring it <laughs> on. <laughs> All right. And we have Lisa with her hand raised. Go ahead, Hello.
3: Hello, Hi. Desi. Hello. Hi. Um, I like Pete's, uh, the dark roast decaffeinated. Um, mm. I <clears throat> for medical reasons I had to change from the uh decaffeinated to the decaf and I really enjoy the taste of it. And then I also have run up on a Kirkland brand and it's 100% Colombian and it's really tasty and it's a decaf dark roast.
0: Where do you get
2: that the Kirkland brand? I know I've Costco's, seen it. Costco's or you can order it from Amazon.
0: Okay and it's
3: a decaf Colombian? Yes 100% Colombian decaf dark roast.
1: Awesome.
3: That's yeah. great. Thank you.
1: And it's a whole bean coffee, isn't
3: it? Yeah. Well, it's, it, they'll, you can get it uh, ground if you want to, you know, but they have it, they have it both ways, but I always get it ground because I don't have a, you know, the grinder and everything, but it's very tasty. I, I actually prefer that one over the Peets because you can get more for your buck with the Peets. because, you know, the Peets being gourmet, you don't get as much, but that, that Kirkland is worth the money, you know.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. That's actually a perfect segue talking about grinders. So there's a lot of debate about ground coffee versus whole bean. If you use whole bean, how long ahead can you grind it? And the optimum person I always think of is my friend in Marietta. You go over to his house. And if he says, oh, would you like a cup of coffee? You say, oh, sure. Now, what you're going to get is a gourmet espresso from beans that he roasted, and then he grinds them in front of you and puts them in his espresso machine, makes the espresso. You don't even need milk or, or sugar. It's just so good. I don't have that kind of time in the morning. So if I treat myself to whole bean, like decaf dark roast Starbucks or French roast, any French roast whole bean. Then I will grind a pound of it and place it in an airtight container, which in my household, that airtight container is just simply a recycled coffee jar. You know, the the metal can, the large metal can, I think it's 24 ounces. You can get a canister set. If the one hint I would give, well, two things. If you're going to store it in a canister, please, please, please protect it from the light, either in a dark place, uh, tape a piece of paper around the outside of the canister. Um, Coffee is like milk. If the light hits it, it, it's not, it's, it, it, I can tell a marked difference if I'm storing in clear versus storing in opaque jars or canisters. Up until recently, I had a line of purple quart jars with my coffees with the tops labeled in Braille. Recently, I've gone to a simpler system whereby I have three canisters, French roast, decaf, and flavored, which flavored for me, right now it's a maple gingerbread blend that I made myself with coffee from Aldi. So I'm just down to those three plus, of course, chicory, because when I make cold brew, which I believe is going to come up in week four, my cold brew techniques and recipes, I never do without a spoonful of chicory. I love the flavor, the uh, extra vinegary hint in there. And if you've used chicory and you like it or, or don't like it, um, feel free to let us know. I'd love to hear from you. one of those things that people always think New Orleans, which is true. It's also used by the Orthodox Jewish community as well. And when I was sighted, I recall it immediately making the the water go dark. Just, you don't have to wait for it to brew or anything. It just immediately darkens the water, creating a, a darker look, if that's something you're going with. I was drinking a blend. Oh, well, Grinders. So, going back to Peter, he hand grinds, and I have a hand grinder. If anyone's interested in knowing more about these grinders, I can place them in the Google Doc. They don't sell the exact brand of hand grinder that I use. It was probably around $30, something like that. And it's just what it sounds like. It's, it's in two pieces plus a removable handle. So the bottom piece catches the coffee, it screws onto the top piece, the lid comes off of the top piece and the beans go inside. Then as you turn the handle, the the grind happens and it goes down into the bottom. Takes forever. If you wanted to grind yourself for a camping trip or something, I could see doing that. I used to think it was, you know, extra bougie to do it myself with a hand grinder until I was at a yard sale in 2020, right before the pandemic, and I discovered a Cuisinart that said uh, Cuisinart um, coffee grinder, electric. That said, best offer. Oh my gosh! I snapped that up for 20 bucks, and best purchase ever. I I've looked into them. They're they're quite a bit more expensive than that, but you can find an affordable brand, and some of them have adjustable grind size. So I'll talk about this more in the in the brewing section in segment four. But basically with grind size, you want coarse grind for something milder, like a cold brew. Like You want fine grind for more like a, a Turkish or even a French roast, if you don't mind the sediment. I like the sediment in the bottom of the cup. So I use a fine grind for my French roast and then a medium grind for drip. And there's there's really a lot of, so you can get a machine that's adjustable. I find, especially with low vision, that adjusting a blade is something I don't wanna be doing. So for this Cuisinart, the formula is five seconds, 10 seconds, 15 seconds. So you just measure your time, beans go in, five seconds for cold brew, uh, coarse grind, 10 seconds for medium, 15 seconds for fine grind. That works fine. I don't have any problems with it. It's simple to use, so I can give anybody that link that's interested in it. So that
1: I have looked up, um, oh, do you have a hand? Yep, Lucy just raised her hand. Lucy, you can
4: go ahead and move. All right. I was just going to talk a little bit about coffee grinders. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
4: I used to have one that uh, someone actually handmade for me. And um, it had a wooden base with a little drawer in it. And that's where the ground coffee was caught. And then mm-hmm. it had, you know, he put um, the crank and the little bowl on top the Beans, and you could actually, uh, it had a little screw on the top of the crank, and you could adjust the grind of the coffee. And yes, it took forever, <laughs> <laughs> so I put that away <laughs> and I don't use it anymore. But um, I do have, uh, and I, I can't, I, I don't think it's a crop, I but I bought it at a place called Espresso Zone which is a really cool place for uh, coffee and um, coffee accessories. Is um,
0: it a physical store or an online n- uh,
4: it's No, uh, listen to me. N- uh. No, it's, it's, it's an online store. All right, got to check that out. Esplozone, yeah, it's pretty cool. And this is a real nice coffee grinder, and it's very easy to adjust the grind. Um, you know, it does take a little bit of practice. Uh, it's, it's a little wheel that you turn, and it clicks the different sizes or grinds. Um, but it's a really neat coffee grinder, and I think I paid about maybe 50 bucks for it. I don't know. But I've had several different kinds, the The burr grinders where you do the pulsing, and I don't like those. Uh-uh.
0: <laughs> That's the kind I like.
4: Oh, do you really? No. I, I like to I like just turn way. it on and let it go.
0: <laughs> oh, there you go. What about um, different grinds? Do you find that you grind to different fineness for different uses?
4: Mm, I do, yes. Um, like for my French press, I grind it quite fine and because I like it very very strong and I too like the sediment in the bottom I don't mind that at all some people say "Ooh, it tastes like mud (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but uh yeah and and I yeah I um will often grind it too and put it in these little uh permanent k-cups um, you wash yeah. them out. They're little filters that you can use in your Keurig. Yeah. So we can talk about that at some time. During the Keurig week. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yep, thanks. Gotta have a Keurig week. Thank yeah, you, you bet. Week. Yeah. Um, that brought up something I forgot to circle back to. The first thing I say about storing is storing something opaque that's not clear. The second thing I would say is particularly the unopened bags, if you get. If you get a bag, you're not going to open it right away. You're not going to use it within about a month. Put it in the freezer. I have found it extends the life to about a year of of, of coffee. If you even ground coffee, if you get it and freeze it, it'll stay fresh longer. I just really find that to be the case. I did a little profile. Well, first of all, last week, someone mentioned See exactly what she said. Kona berry. So, if that person is on the call, I would love to pick your brain because when I looked up tea berry coffee, and maybe I misunderstood in the first place, what came up for me was tea berry. So, I I don't
2: know. Yes. It is pea berry. That's what I said, Peaberry. I'm sorry I wasn't clear, but yeah, it is Kona Peaberry, not tea. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I
0: the really, wrong then. Okay. And what I found was about $35 a pound. Does that sound right to you? That sounds about right.
2: Okay. Except Whew. that's is that's that it was like a, about 38 when we actually got it in uh, on Kona, but here in Texas, it runs about 40. I think the last time I got it, it was like 44 or something. It's a lot more expensive.
0: Well, I was just doing a basic online search trying to learn a little bit more about that. And what seems to be the case is that it's made from certain berries that instead of the cherry turning into two seeds, it only stays in one seed. And so it's a larger, plumper seed. Is that
2: yeah, that sounds right. We actually went to the farm where they grew the berries, and, and we saw the whole process, how they actually processed them. And so, yes, that sounds about right. That's amazing. <laughs>
0: well, I've, I've, It's on my list to try. I found um, some pea berry from Tanzania as well. I kind of want to stick to the Kona though, just because of the Hawaii connection. You know, that's so close to my heart. But the, uh, the Tanzanian are K-cups, and they're about two dollars a cup so it's definitely a splurge item yes yeah, so where did you find those so the tanzanian peaberry is i'm checking to see if it's on amazon if it's not i'll give the website i found it on
2: Okay, that would be great because my birthday's coming up, so I might splurge on something like that and get the K cups for my birthday. <laughs>
0: and it's an Berry K cup. Okay, I got it. Yeah, let's see. Now they're on Amazon. They are okay. Okay, great. They are. Mm-hmm. And this this says they're forty two cents each, so I must have misread what I saw before. I guess the um, the African are um, cheaper. Which is typical. Mm -hmm. African coffee is is typically. typically I think it's because they have more manufacturing plants on hand. Mm -hmm. Um, But it it is Tanzanian. Tanzanian pea berries is is a variety that I might try just because it's more affordable. Mm
4: -hmm.
0: And it would give me a chance to get an intro into pea berry anyway, because that's, that's a cool little thing I've never tried. So, I profiled um, a coffee that my sister gave to me. I may have mentioned this last week. It's Midnight Blend from Aldi. And I said, okay, well, blend. Blend is a word that always makes my spidey senses go off because, you know, as I explained before, whatever they're highlighting, it can be only 10% of the good thing they're highlighting and 90% of Arabica from wherever. And I was actually pleasantly surprised. Um, the Midnight Blend comes from Indonesia and Nicaragua. Indonesia for the specialty product and Nicaragua for the filler. And I'm actually okay with that as long as I know that's what I'm getting. I, I don't want anyone to ever feel duped. Oh, I'm getting you know, Blue Mountain. Well, you may be, but if it's a Blue Mountain blend, you may not be getting as much Blue Mountain as you bargain for. And that's okay if it's a blend that you enjoy. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm all about finding the coffee that makes you feel good. If you enjoy it and you like it, that's great. Go with that. And if you want to try something new, by all means take one of these suggestions and branch out because that's what I really want is for people to take the opportunity to, to branch out and try something new. So Midnight Blend, Indonesia. I had my folks read the box and it's um, on the, so it's a slider. Uh, with light roast to the left and dark roast to the right, and the slider is all the way to the right to the darkest roast. I don't think it's all Italian roast, though. I think one of the things they may have done with the blend, just based on how it tastes, is done some Italian roast, which is the very darkest one right before burr, and some, and, and the rest in French roast, which is still dark roast, but it's just not as dark. There are, let me pull this up here. have a great list here there are seven roasts going from all the way to the left which is called cinnamon i've never seen that in real life but it is listed as a roast officially which is lighter than light i don't know what that would taste like i would feel like it would be kind of weak but i don't know maybe not then the second one is light roast then city or medium roast full city dark French, Italian. So if it's any of those last three, that's the zone I like to be in, that dark French Italian zone. And I like to have the choice of French or Italian in the house at all times. This midnight blend is is in that zone. It's either dark French or Italian, or maybe a blend of the three. The wording on the box said the notes should be earthy, smoky, dark cocoa, toasted, tobacco, brown sugar. And I would say, with the exception of, I don't taste the sweetness particularly, although I do get a tiny hint of sweetness in the back of my tongue on it, uh, it definitely has the bitterness of the dark roasts and the smokiness, the tobacco notes, that's what comes through the most for me. But I wondered, I mentioned last session That the coffee quizzes that I took all pointed me toward Indonesian or Java or New Guinea, that region. And I thought, wonder why that might be. Wonder why most of those are dark. So I looked that up. And the Indonesian region coffee beans tend to be dense. And it takes a lot of roasting to the darker roast to bring out the oils in a dense coffee bean. If the coffee bean is more porous, then you can just roast it to first crack and the oils are already there. First crack is a term for the sound that the coffee beans make when they're being roasted. And that first crack is light roast. And now I've never roasted my own coffee at home. I know of a couple of people who have one. My friend Peter, I told you about with the espresso machine, has been successful The other person who tried it filled the house with smoke. So (laughs) at your own risk, would you try roasting there? There are roasting kits you can get to roast at home. Green coffee beans are very expensive as well. And I would hate to invest in equipment, invest in green coffee beans, try it and, and have to experiment a lot to get it right. Although I experimented a lot to get my French press right. So sometimes it's worth it to do the extra work to experiment with it. Before we move to decaffeination, I want to see if there are any questions about anything we've covered so far before we Lucy leave. has her hand up again. Okay,
4: of go course. ahead Lucy. <laughs> No, I just have a comment. Um, There's a coffee, oh darn it, I'm not answering that. There's a coffee company here in Michigan and it's called the Leelanau Coffee Roasting Company and it's a small company but they do ship everywhere and I toured that plant and have you ever smelled roasting coffee? It smells horrible, horrible. Um, It smells nothing like coffee, which really surprised me. It smells, well, the only thing I can think of is it smells kind of like burning toast. (laughs) It's it's yucky. But anyway, that was very interesting.
0: (laughs) We visited the flagship roastery in Seattle where Starbucks was founded. And yes, that, that smell is very unique and it does not smell like coffee. And what was odd about that place is they still roast there, but they also, they roast specialty blends there, but it's also a bakery. So you've got baking bread and then this burnt smell. It's, it's a little bit odd. Oh, it's a fabulous place though. I bought an espresso cup there. Well, actually, I think it's a cappuccino cup. So um, an espresso cup is two, two to four ounces, and would be, oh, let's see, what would you equate it to? About two inches tall, by maybe an inch and a half wide, so it's similar to the size of a shot glass, but it'll be like a tiny, a tiny, tiny coffee cup. A cappuccino cup has room for that two to four ounces of espresso, But it also has room for another couple ounces of milk. So it's a little bit larger, maybe two inches tall by three inches wide. And it gives you uh, more surface area for the foam, for the cappuccino, etc. So I have some cappuccino cups and I have some espresso cups. My most prized cappuccino cups um, are from Italy and were given to me by our special guest for week seven uh, from her travels. All right. If you were here for the previous coffee calls, you have heard this brief synopsis of decaffeination process already. So I'm going to go through it quickly. If you have questions, you want more information, raise your hand. If I don't know, I will find out and get back to you next week. This is the research that I've done. So I don't know which one to start with. I will start with the most common one, and um, this is how they decaffeinate caffeinated the coffee, okay? The coffee beans are steamed and then soaked in a solution of a chemical called dechloride methane, or DCM. The caffeine leaches out into the chemical, then the tank is drained, and refilled with more chemical water and they keep doing that until they test that all the coffee is gone. All the caffeine is gone from the beans. Then they steam the beans again to hopefully get rid of all that chemical. Then they're dried, roasted, and they, they go to you to eat. So of course they've, they used to use a chemical that was harmful. They say now this chemical they're using now, this dichloride methane is no longer harmful to us. And I would hope that that would be true since the vast majority of decaffeinated coffee you're going to find is going to be DCM processed. I discovered through this research, I thought, well, what can I do if I'm not so sure about having coffee that that was decaffeinated in that manner with that chemical? So the alternative is something called Swiss water processed and the... Description of the coffee, or or on the box, or in the in the Amazon description, in the case of the brands that I'm going to mention, actually say Swiss water processed. You will pay a little bit more in some cases, Um, and the process for that is the beans are soaked in water, and the caffeine leaches into the water. They drain the water and repeat, drain and repeat. Then they filter the water they used to soak the coffee beans in. And soak the coffee beans back in the decaffeinated water so that any flavor that was lost to that water can be reabsorbed again. Then they're dried, roasted, and sent out to be used. And my favorite Swiss water processed coffee right now is the brand Black Knight, K-N-I-G-H-T, like a knight in shining armor. Swiss water processed decaf, which I get in K-Cups from Amazon. You can also find, uh, let's see, if you're interested, if your coffee is Swiss water processed, sometimes it takes some research. If you have a favorite decaf coffee to know if it is or not, it may not matter to you. I still use chemical processed decaffeinated coffee in a canister if I want to. I use it as as part of my cold brew blend. I use it in certain situations, but for my decaf K-cups, I have switched. So if you search for Swiss water processed decaf coffee, you will get a number of options. Uh, Some of of them are small small names. I'm curious if uh, anyone has ever used kicking horse. I've I've never used them, but they're one of the ones that comes up. There's some uh, San Francisco Bay coffees, Swiss water processed, um, along with mods. If you've ever used the mods, decaf variety pack, mods is is Swiss water processed as well. That's just a little bit about the process decaffeination what i was able to learn with a little bit of research are there any questions about that
1: well um i am not okay. seeing any hands okay. well if there are we will certainly take them
0: mm-hmm. i will move into a description of the coffee shop I visited this week because that was something I had considered doing was profiling some different coffee shops. And I can't commit to getting to one each week because of transportation, but on the weeks that I do, I will certainly profile them. And some of them I hope will be local shops where I can try the house specialty. I don't know. I'd be open to input on this. I either consider trying the house specialty at each thing. What is your favorite on sale? seasonal, whatever, but I also considered: would it be more beneficial for my experiment to try the same drink at each coffee shop, and I'm almost leaning that way right now, so I'll describe what I did this past week, which is Starbucks, because that's what was available to me on my shopping day, it's on my walking route, along with a place where I bought fabulous shoes, and I am doing a low carb thing right now. So what I settled on was an Americano with heavy cream. And I had, I had meant to bring along some of my pink sweetener because they don't have it all the time, but I forgot. And so I thought, oh dear, how's this going to be? But the Americano with heavy cream, I guess the, the lactate sweetener in the milk in the cream was enough. It actually didn't need any more cream than that. So That may be my drink of choice. I may go to each one and try an Americano with cream. I was going to try the dark roast that was on tap, so to speak, because sometimes there'll be coffee made in a carafe at a coffee shop if you just want, quote, a cup of coffee. And the difference, actually, they said they didn't have any brewed, that all they could offer me was an Americano, and that's why I ended up with an Americano, which the difference is the, the pot of coffee that some coffee shops will have available if you just want what used to be called the 50 cent coffee, you know, diner coffee, would be that it's brewed with automatic drip, just like a 12 cup coffee maker at your house, um, where the heated water drips through the coffee grinds at a set rate and, you know, it creates the, the finished coffee. I find that can be a little watery which is funny that I should say that because the way an Americano is made is a shot of espresso is brewed, or I think for a 16 ounce cup, which is what I went with it, which is the grande, I believe it was a double shot. I think of, especially considering how jittery I felt the rest of the day, it was a double shot. And then it's, so it's two parts coffee, two parts hot water, and then the cream, the heavy cream that I had asked for on top. So You get the water either way, whether it's added in after, whether it's added, but I will say you get more flavor with the Americano than you would with drip coffee out of the craft. And I think the reason is probably the force with which the water is pressed through the grounds in an espresso machine. There is, well, it's physics, right? So, if you picture a basket in an automatic drip 12 cup or 10 cup coffee maker, that surface area is going to be, you know, about the size of your hand, five, five, six inches around in the circle that the coffee drips through. And maybe it has one point of origin where the coffee drips through one little hole. Maybe it's a, a cluster of little holes in the top, but it's a large surface area with an espresso. You've got, a surface area about the size of a silver dollar and even higher pressure it's not just hot water it's it's boiling it's steam it's that's why it makes that sound that as it goes through so because it's it's encountering a smaller surface area with more force i think that's why it's stronger if you're interested in the in the deep dark reasons for that (laughs) those are some of those reasons but Uh, Since it was a Starbucks that I went to, I would be interested in hearing anybody's favorite Starbucks drink if you have one. I hope to go to several coffee shops throughout the course of this, and I'd love to talk to some of them about where they get their beans and where they're roasted, things like that. It hasn't been the case that I've been able to as of yet. And I know this, this session has been awfully technical. Next week will be A little more approachable talking about the different espresso drinks, probably with uh, some bonus content I, I may add in, depending on how much participation there is. Because I see this as not intended to be just a lecture, but intending to have participation from you all about what you like and what you enjoy and brainstorming about new things to try. Because I learn from you every week when we go through this. Something that I can look into or try. It's always a treat for me to talk to you all about these. Oh, coffee humor. Okay. And I did I say this last week about the green tea? I don't think I did. By replacing your morning coffee with green tea, you can lose up to 87% of what joy you still have left in your life. Apologies to any green tea drinkers out there. I'm thinking most people in this probably drink coffee or they wouldn't be here. So I found a chart that says that fully half of the final product of the coffee, it's its a pie chart. And so they say, what influences cup quality? That half is the green coffee. So that would be... Whether it's porous, whether it was done in a high altitude, low altitude, etc., half is the coffee. Then the other factors are roast, brewing, and water chemistry. I'm not much of a chemist. I read a coffee book for this course that put a lot of emphasis on the type of water that you use. But I find that unless your water is extra hard or extra soft, which with extra hard, you might want to use distilled, just just to get, because the minerals may make your coffee more acidic than you want it to be. But I actually enjoy that mineral content. If you have soft water, you will need to descale your machine regularly, which I do with vinegar, running, running through vinegar and water. There are descaling solutions you can purchase as well for your, for your coffee to account for that water. So I don't know if I totally agree with the estimate of this book. I think the brewing a- and matters a lot. And what they don't take into account in this pie chart is the roast. And I think roast is so very important. Because you want to get that either light or dark, whatever you're going for. And, and just in the same way that my Midnight Blend has those earthy and smoky tobacco notes, is the same way that a light roast would be fruity and clear and floral. And if you delight in that, go for it. That's, that's, the, that's the point is to find what works for you. So I know we're about ten minutes till, but I believe I'm going to end it there. Versus going into next week's material too much. I want to thank Desi, the host, as well as Cindy, the streamer, for being here. Thank you all for coming, and I I enjoyed this a lot. I hope you come back, get your name in the drawing a few more times, and have the opportunity to to learn more. And next week, um cappuccino latte what's the difference Damn. we will talk about espresso based drinks different kinds of milks and i want to hear what you all have tried so if you get a chance to try a an espresso drink this week keep, keep an eye on, a memory of what you had how you liked it what it tasted like and when you drink your coffee just just be on the lookout for these notes see if you taste any of these things this is this tastes darker. This tastes lighter. See what you taste. I, I'd be interested to hear anybody talk about that. Is there any final? Are there any final thoughts before we close? All right. Thanks so much. I'll see you all next week.